What's up, guys? This is Sarah, and welcome to Tom Babe. Today, I have a new guest, Joanna Shakti, the soul love mentor and founder of Ecstatic Intimacy, where she helps men and women, singles and couples, create relationships that are an expression of ecstatic authenticity, intimacy, and ecstasy. Joanna, you can explain this a lot better than I can, but how are you doing today? I'm so happy that you're with us. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. Your enthusiasm around this space and (laughs) the topic and oh my gosh, I am just like, it's contagious and I love, I like this topic is so my passion anyway, but then to be with your energy and it's, I'm just super excited and really curious what we're going to get to explore and dance with today. Yes. So am I guys, anyone listening, I've literally been dying to have Joanna on the show. It's been like two or three months and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need her on the show. She's such, she's going to help you guys learn more about the masculine and feminine energies. We're going to get into so many different topics. And I really think it can help men and women, everyone listening. This isn't for a specific person today. And I think it's just, I think we should just dive in honestly. And Joanna, I did check out your website and I checked out your YouTube channel and I noticed that you had a sort of introduction to these like energies and that's why you started this business. Can you kind of explain in your own words how you got into this sort of work? Because it's so interesting. Yes, totally. And I would never in a million years have imagined this was my life. (laughs) And so, yeah, in like in so many ways, you could say it started 20 years ago with the wake up call to the masculine and feminine. But the truth is it probably started, well, it wouldn't have been a full 20, 20 years before that, but you know, a 15, <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, probably 20 years before that, that really, I grew up in the heart of the women's movement in the heart of the seventies. I grew up on the verge of the divorce movement. Again, kind of really co- divorce, really coming into quote unquote, the norm in the, in the early seventies. And we were one of the first divorced families in the neighborhood. And so going through that divorce, going through the conditioning that I got as a, as a female being of who we were supposed to be, how we were supposed to show up, how strong we were supposed to be a lot of conditioning, and then marry that with the divorce movement and my distrust of men and the distrust that I had of myself because young person making up the story that dad left because he didn't love me enough and I wasn't worthy of that love. So marry the self-esteem issues with the women's movement issues and my judgments of men. And Mm -hmm. I moved very much into a space of control I don't need anybody. I got this. I can handle this. I'm going to make sure that I don't ever have to depend on a man. I'm going to- I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm a strong, (laughs) independent woman, and I am going to prove how strong I am, and I'm going to outman the men. And so fast forward, got an electrical engineering degree, and my senior year at Michigan, I met Six foot three, blonde haired, blue eyed, par golfer, concert pianist, valedictorian, you name it. And, and, and he liked me. 
And so I eventually said yes, didn't take that long. Nine months later or so, we, you know, got engaged and married and I ignored all the red flags and we were divorced four years later. But in the meantime, I didn't have very many orgasms. We didn't have a lot of sex. And I then was like, what's wrong with all the men? And why do I keep meeting the passive men? For me, I'm a straight woman, so I'm speaking man-woman right now. But as I know we're going to talk about, like, I'm just telling my personal story right now. But these things, these same questions that I was looking at can express in every being. But that wake-up call for me was, what's wrong with all the men? And then it was in 2001 that I found myself at a workshop and a bit, actually a big big um, seminar and somebody said the words and started to explain the words masculine and feminine. And I was like, well, I know the words, but what do they mean? And how do they apply to me? And, and no joke, it felt like I sat for a day with my jaw on the floor going, holy crap, this describes <laughs> why I am so successful and promoted and respected it explains why I can't have orgasms. It explains why I'm divorced. It explains why I'm miserable and unhappy and exhausted. It was the biggest aha moment. And I knew within 24 hours of that wake up that I had to figure it out for me. And God, I could get emotional because it was so mind blowing for me that I knew literally it was less than 24 hours that I would leave corporate. I was, was, I was in the oil and gas and high tech industries up for more promotions. And, and I knew I was like, I got to figure this out for me. And then I've got to help women figure it out because we're in too much pain and I need to help the men that we love figure it out. Now it's expanded from there, but I knew literally in 24 hours. It was a year and uh, year and six months, so 18 months later, that the universe aligned. And I was like, oh, it's time to go. And I stepped out of corporate in February of 03, and I've been on this path ever since. What was it about that workshop that got you the most? Like you had this aha moment. What was it about the energies that you were like, shit, I, I did not, I am not happy, or this is the reason why. What was it for you? Well, so, so let's defi- let's give some context to these ideas of masculine yeah. and feminine energy, because that was like, I knew the words, but I'm like, what do they really mean? And how do they apply to me? Yeah. So within that context of those words, the the feminine energy well let me start with the masculine because that's what i so identified with it was like okay the masculine is the driven focused take charge make things happen get shit done under control and i was like i do that and i am damn good at it and i'm proud of it (laughs) and then well, there was probably there was probably a mixture of things, but let's define the feminine energy for a second. <laughs> and the feminine energy being the creative, the expressive, the surrendered, the receptive, the vulnerable energy. And she's also the wild energy, and she is the expressive, boundless energy. But that expressive, boundless, wild energy scared the shit out of me. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, no, I like being in control. I don't want to be that. And then, and then this vulnerable <laughs> thing and this surrendered thing, like, I'm not giving up control. No, that's scary. So, you know, those two were related. And then the receptive thing, I was like, well, yeah, that would be nice, but nobody ever, you know, like I'm the one that does everything. And like mm-hmm. being receptive is needy. And, you know, so it, like there was so much conditioning. And then, and then it was like, well, what do you want in a relationship? So those were the definitions that I'm still like, oh, I see that and I don't want that. And then, well, what do you want in a relationship? Like, do you want to be kissed up against a wall? Do you want to be ravished sexually? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, that turned me on. <laughs> and well, do, do you want to be asked out or do you want to ask somebody out? I'm like, well, I totally want to be asked out. I want to be courted. I want to be this special, like, you know, and, and like he wants to take me out and he wants to pick me up. And yes, I know I'm supposed to ask them out, but if, if you really ask me to be honest, I want to be asked out. I want to be thrown back on the bed. I want to know I'm safe, but you know, if I know he loves me, like by all means, throw me back on the bed. (laughs) And and then I went, Oh, well, well that ravish thing and that being kissed against the wall and that being asked out and you know, a few other things. And it was like, mm, that's feminine, but I don't want to be feminine. Mm. And I'm proud of being masculine. And oh, by the way, I'm fucking exhausted because I've been doing, doing, doing. And who, who is ever going to step up and do for me would be that question. But I, I never gave the space to trust anybody, to trust myself, to receive, to let somebody in and be that vulnerable. No wonder I was divorced four years later. He couldn't. He couldn't have done enough for me to let down the walls and actually let him in and receive. So that was a long answer to your question. <laughs> no, I love it though. It's it's so relatable, like 100%. Like in my own life, I know that, I mean, I've dated men and women, but I always struggled with showing off that more masculine side a lot of the time when it came to like when I would be drinking and flirting and like I wanted to be that person and I was like more extroverted but not in like a I was wild too at the same time but more in like a dominant way and then I realized at the end of the day I was attracting people who were more feminine because I was showing off the masculine more in that like flirtatious stage and then I would be like shit I'm fucked you know (laughs) not in a good way (laughs) and not in a good way what was it what was it in your in your marriage though like was he too feminine for you is that what it was so it was a combination with him so he was also an electrical engineer but it was okay it would but he was also an artist he was creative so he had he had much more of a mixture of both but but more than than that I think if I had created the space and allowed him to be masculine because I trusted myself and I trusted him, then he probably would have shown up way more masculine than I ever experienced. 
and the femininity, like go to orgasms. Yeah. Like we can't have an orgasm and be in control. They don't go, (laughs) they don't, they're mutually exclusive. Having an orgasm requires letting go of control. And I was like, that wild thing, that control, I want control and I don't want to be out of control. So no matter how he showed up, I was screwed. And again, not in a good way. Yeah. Like, I couldn't receive the pleasure. And I couldn't let go to allow the pleasure to go through my body. Because of my, my fear of being out of control, not having control. And that will inherently drive us into the masculine energy. 100%. 100%. And so masculine and feminine are attracted to each other. And it, and again, it doesn't matter what body expression or what orientation or anything else. We've all got masculine and feminine energy. They happen in different proportions and different bodies. But there's an authentic expression of both energies in all of our bodies. And that's one of the important things to figure out. But I was in complete flip of what was authentic. What's authentic for me is about, you know, if we go 80-20, it's about 80% feminine, 20% masculine. I was living pretty much the opposite, but I'd actually take the feminine even lower. (laughs) All the way out. (laughs) At that point in time. Like my last corporate job when I was leaving, like my boss was, he said it jokingly, but I was like, he's like, you can be a bully. And I was like, what? What? So I couldn't see that. But that over-masculinized, that was how I stayed in control. That's how I, you know, got respect. And I was like, oh, is that how I come across? And so take all of those pieces and, you know, we weren't, I was repelling. He's definitely masculine. It wasn't fully showing up that way because we'll neutralize or flip. What happens in so many relationships is if one of us is flipped, so I was running predominantly masculine energy, but my essence was predominantly feminine. So very commonly, then that will flip in the other partner so that we have some form of polarity, but it's still not strong because neither person is being authentic. Hmm. What will happen with masculine men is that if they happen to love a woman, they're like, I want her to be happy. So if she wants to take charge, well, by all means, if that's going to make her happy, I'll let her, I'll let her take charge. But then she's pissed if this is a heterosexual, masculine, feminine relationship. Because she's like, oh, wait, now I'm pissed because he's not doing anything. But he's trying to make her happy. It's so hard because I feel like a facet of authenticity is just self-awareness in general. Because I feel like you can think that you're being so authentic. Like it's it's this narrative, especially in the narrative of the quote-unquote strong, independent woman. You think that you're living your truth. You're like, screw everybody. I'm going to do what I want. I'm living my truth. But at the end of the day, are you self-aware? Are you pushing things to the side? I think that so many people, especially these days, women try to be that strong, independent woman and by all means do it, but don't do it in a toxic way where you're hurting yourself and cutting off the happiness from your life. 
Oh you know what God. I mean? Like, do you deal with women like this on a, like a lot? <laughs> I could imagine. Totally. Cause it was me. And that's <laughs> yeah. one, of the, one of the questions that like, yes, can any person do anything just about in the world? We have come to prove that just about any person can do just about anything. There's still some, you know, there's still some strength differences or things like that. But, but even that has yeah. gotten so like, so narrow. But the question that I ask women is, you can do it all. You can be it all. And are you happy? Yep. Are that's you the kicker. Happy? And, and are you healthy? Now, health is not my primary thing. But what I know is that when, in this case, women come back into relationship with their authenticity, it tends to correlate with feeling better. Because we're not meant to run that kind of driven energy at least depending on where we fall on the gender spectrum. My body was definitely not designed to drive, 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 get shit done all the time and never take those nurturing, restful things. Although I believed it to be the case that nurturing and restful meant you were weak and pathetic. and uh, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, but like this being thrives when there's nurturing and care. But I would have denied the shit out of that for a long time. I feel like a lot of us do because it's kind of scary to be in that feminine. And a lot of people just don't understand it to begin with. They think it's some sort of like spiritual thing that's just like, woo, that's that's some that's some weird shit, you know. I don't want to go into that. That's some la la land stuff, you know. Yeah. But it's yeah. reality. And like once you're aware of it, it really can change your life. But I'm curious, you went, so you went to a workshop, like you were obviously searching for something, but do you have any advice for like women who aren't out searching for those workshops or they're listening right now and they're like, how can I get in touch with this feminine energy? Like, what could I even do to awaken that within me or give it chance to breathe? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a simple task. Well, so first, even before, like, how do I do it? For so many of us, we have the resistance that we've been talking about, all the reasons that we shouldn't be feminine. And yeah. so th with all of that reasoning, and some of it seems incredibly logical, we can actually deny, go back to this part of we think we're being authentic. If you'd asked me before I went to that event, am I authentically masculine or feminine? I'm pretty sure I would have said, mm, I'm predominantly masculine. So, and I believed that to be authentic. Yeah. And it wasn't true. So go back to your wow. point of the self-inquiry of what, if I took away all the conditioning and all of the shoulds and all of the expectations and all of the fears, because some of it, just like myself, some of the reason that we go into the masculine and avoid the feminine is because we, we think that's what's going to make us safe. And we're going to stay in control and we're going to stay protected and I'm going to be my own protector. And, and it's not to say that we're not like there's the, the self-advocacy that is so important, but it's overamped. It was overamped for me and the women, so many women that I work with, it's so overamped. So the first part is getting really honest with ourselves. And I ask a series of questions. 
I kind of gave you, alluded to some of them because I looked at, I shared a little bit about myself, but I'm happy to share like the first four questions that give us some pointers to it. And then there's a quiz on my website that goes even deeper. And when you're in long-term programs, we go even deeper with, with that and exploring because the first part is before we try to be it is to recognize that we actually want to, that it's, that it is our essence or not, or not. And like, if it's not, then don't go try to be something you're not. Don't go try to be feminine if it's not true. But if it is true, by all means, bring authenticity and actuality into alignment. Hmm. So the first step is the self-inquiry. Okay. You that definitely, I mean, that makes the most sense, I would say, because you can't understand any of it unless you fully face it. I, I remember in a previous episode I had, I was trying to give them all advice, like, okay, what's the first step to take? And I said, look in the mirror and get uncomfortable. Because that's the only way, like, you're going to be incredibly uncomfortable. And that's, it, you just have to face it. Yeah. That's what happened with me, at least. Like, you have oh, to yeah. understand, okay, this is my truth. Oh, shit. I had no clue this was going on. I didn't even know that's what I wanted or that's, that's what I was giving off. Yes. And it can suck for some people, but it can be so amazing afterwards. <laughs> the wake-up call, the wake-up call that I watch so many women go through, and myself included, we've worked so hard. We've driven, we've done so much. We've served so many people. And underneath we're like, when is somebody going to serve me? When is gonna, somebody going to be there for me? When is he going to show up? When is she going to show up in a way that, that I can finally relax? Mm. But nobody else is ever going to do it for us. We can't let somebody else contribute until we're willing to receive. And that starts here. Nobody can make a difference if we don't allow ourselves to receive. So that's another huge piece in the beginning of the journey is to look at our, our ability to receive because we can't relax. We can't let go until we know that somebody else will actually be there for us and we will let them contribute. So that's another aspect is then we've got to clear out the belief systems that say it's not okay to receive or it's weak or it's, you know, if I ask for something, then that means that I can't do it. And if I can't this do is the it, hard part. Oh, this yeah. is a hard part. Totally. Oh, <laughs> totally. I like to say the mantra of the modern day woman. No, no, I got it. The mantra of the happy woman. Thank you. Wow. Wow. My brain is exploding. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so true. Oh my God. Uh, if, I mean, if you do have that feminine essence and that's like the, the strong energy within you, so unbelievably true because then you feel like I've had those moments where I feel like if I let say like my boyfriend do something for me or my dad or my brother or just a man in general. Yep. I like get a little uncomfortable, like right in my chest right here. And I'm like, Shh, uh, no, I got it. No, I want to do it. No, don't do it for me. And then it, you get like all amped up. You see, like, I'm like, no, no. Why, why do you think you do I can do it. I can do it. You know, you think I'm weak it's weak defense. Yeah. Yeah. Total defense, Sarah. So much. Wow. Yes. That. That. <laughs> that. <laughs> when, when we're in that defense mode, when we're in that protective mode, like we can't, we can't have the joy and the pleasure. 
we could take this so many different dimensions, but I'm inspired to just say when we can't receive, we'll never experience the pleasure in the bedroom that we are so capable of. Mm-hmm. Because we're like, oh, I needed to keep it equal. I don't want to take up too much time. Oh, I'm a little slow or it's not like all the reasons that we can push it away. It's another aspect of receiving. So to be super clear on the four questions, the context to answer these is there's no conditioning. You are completely safe. Nobody can judge you. Like you're celebrated. Everything goes beautifully and perfectly because you wrote the script and it's the way you want it. So answering it from that place of nothing can go wrong and nobody can judge you. Mm. And then the four questions that really give us that, that initial insight is if you were to pick your ideal lover, your ideal partner, are they physically larger than you or physically smaller than you or the same size? And you're ha- you can answer if you want to, but you can, we'll just give the questions to everybody. You don't have to answer. <laughs> no, no I, I'm, to- I'm totally answering. Okay. Um, okay. Mine definitely, well, hmm, it's interesting because again, I've dated men and women and yep. I have been attracted to people smaller than me, but it is usually larger on both sides, 100%. Whether it's like height or like strength, it's yes. got to be one oh. or the other for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So perfect. Because then the second question is strength. So either size, ah. and then the second question is around strength. So would you prefer to be the one moved across the bed, i.e. your partner <laughs> stronger than you, you're moved across the bed, or would you prefer to be the stronger one and you're moving your partner across the bed? Or do you want it totally equal? Totally being moved across the bed, okay. 100%. Okay. I mean, like, like okay. in... Like it can, you can have fun changing like those power roles and things like that, but in a more like dominant sense, like I would say 80% of the time. Yes. That. That, that, (laughs) And I'll say that with the fourth question, it's always fun to switch it up once in a while, but it's the more times than not. Like, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, you know, I, I tend to prefer somebody that's stronger than me that probably there isn't any chance that I could move across the bed. But I might be able to, the next question is, in the hot, steamy kiss up against the wall, do you want to be the one against the wall being kissed most of the time, or do you want to be the one facing the wall giving the kiss most of the time? Ooh, Ooh, okay. I mean, I would say this one's a little bit more even. This one's either 70 or 60 being up against the wall. Okay. Because I've had, like, a lot of, like, drunken moments where I do want to be that like aggressor, you know, but definitely still more on the side of being against the wall. (laughs) What's interesting is the drunken moments. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? How how do you feel about that? Well, and it just creates an interesting thing because like, does, there's two things that can happen, at least two things, is the drunken moment lets a little bit more authenticity come out. Or, or the drunken moment is that I'm going to show you and, and there's more of the inauthenticity that comes out. And I don't know if we'd have to spend some time ah. kind of exploring because in the, you know, it may be that like in that moment, there's like no way I'm going to let the vulnerability in. 
I think personally, again, I've never really spoken to anyone about that. Like anyone who know understands these things so deeply like you, but I feel like maybe it's more of the inauthenticity because I kind of put up like, it's not a front, I would say that kind of makes it sound bad, but more of like a caricature of myself in a way when I'm drinking. And it's like the fun, I mean, I'm fun regardless, but like, I'm more like, ah, you know, <laughs> yeah, that version of myself. And she's in there. Like, cause we said, yeah. like, she definitely, like, it's fun to be in that role, but mm-hmm. owning the feminine can feel really vulnerable. And yep. so, you know, it's just, it doesn't matter which way it is. It's finding out what's true and where do, when we get drunk or when we get scared or when we, you know, what do we do in those moments? Cause they're also indicators for us. Ooh, got a lot to think about. <laughs> and I'm loving this conversation with you. Um, so let's see, that was the steamy kiss. Okay. So the fourth question is in a dating courting situation, again, most of the time, would you prefer to be asked out, picked up and taken to dinner? Or would you prefer to ask out, pick up and take to dinner? Definitely the first hundred percent. Okay. I'd say it's 99 one because <laughs> I've done be, both, but <laughs> that would be mine too. Um, once in a while I want to surprise you, but other than that, like, you know, totally you're taking me out. Yes. <laughs> so those are the indicators. If you're against the wall, which is the more vulnerable place, the one facing the wall has more control. So the, against the wall is feminine. Being asked out, picked up, and taken to dinner is feminine. The being moved across the bed so your partner is stronger is feminine. And then the the physically smaller is also an indicator of feminine. Or I'm sorry, you want your partner to be physically larger, therefore you're physically mm-hmm. smaller, smaller is the indicator of feminine. Hmm. And so for you, it wasn't a hundred percent. Like for me, I'm like, you know, every once in a while on each of them <laughs> and you were, you know, 99% on one and you're 80, 20 here. And, you know, so <laughs> there, there's definitely, you know, when, when all of the expectation and all the conditioning gets removed, uh, there's a tendency to be on that feminine side of the spectrum. See, this is interesting to me though, because then you think of people who have been the people who are very, very much conditioned and very vulnerable to being conditioned and totally grew up in a space where they were like molded in a certain way. And then I feel like if you ask them these questions, some of, some people will come from a place of, instead of what do you want, a place of what do you do? Like what has your past been? Like, how do you normally act? You know, do you ever deal with that and have to like break that down? Yeah. Well, and that's why that, that whole thing that I said at the beginning, you can't get Mm -hmm. hurt. You can't get rejected. You can't get abandoned. You can't, that it creates that safe space where all those things that I had to do to survive, to be strong, to be accepted, to all of those things, it pulls away and says, well, if I could be real. And I didn't have to worry or fear, then what? That's the piece that invites out the authenticity. Because without that, and I see it in men and women alike, 
like men who are um, actually men who are predominantly masculine or men, you know, wherever they fall on that spectrum, they can have the same kinds of, well, I want to be that good guy. I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be. So somebody that identifies as predominantly masculine may, because they have judgments of the masculine, may play to the feminine side because they think that's how they're going to be good and conscious and caring and loving because they don't want to be toxic or disrespectful or unkind or any of those things. So it happens for all of us that we will live in a way that we think is good, safe, right, rather than actually what's true for us. And when we find what's true, then we find that we are actually safer and more lovable and loving. And I don't say more lovable like we're not lovable in any means, but it's like we can Mm -hmm. receive it. We can be in the dance of loving because we are more authentic. So something that I that just like tinged in my brain about what you just said was when men who are trying maybe subconsciously, who knows, trying to be less quote unquote toxically masculine and trying to be that self-conscious male in modern society. Do you find this equates at all to like the nice guy syndrome? hundred percent. Okay. New age, new I, age sensitive yeah. guy and nice guy. Wow. Those, so those are those the same or are those different? They're effectively the same dynamic. Do you find that a lot of these guys who are, do you have like this nice guy? I don't like to say, I don't like to say persona because it kind of seems like it's fake. But, but it like, is. Do they? It, it yeah. is. Because they're, they, yeah. they've gotten so, I don't want to be that guy. And there's been yeah. so much of that guy out there. I don't want to be that guy. So I am going to hide these masculine attributes. I'm going to hide my desires. And I'm going to show you this part that is the pleaser and whatever you want. And I'm going to be soft and I'm going to be tender. And, but right now I really don't want to be soft and tender, but that's not okay. So I push it over here. So it is, it is in a way a persona that has self-abandonment at its roots because I don't think I'm okay, or I'm afraid that I won't be okay if I do anything close to what one of those guys did. Do you find that that can be just as toxic as quote unquote toxic masculinity? Like how does that ruin a relationship for a guy like that who isn't truly living his his truth? Absolutely. So, so here's what happens. I use the word self-abandonment and anytime we go into people pleaser mode, anytime we want to make them happy, we want to avoid conflict. We want to be the good person. Oh, I don't, I don't want to stir things up. Oh, I want to go along so that they're not upset with me. And this could be men, women, masculine, feminine, whoever, people. Like any time that we settle, sell ourselves out, twist ourselves into a pretzel, trying to be what we think we should be, that is self-abandonment. And there's Margaret Paul writes that the number one destroyer of intimate relationships is self-abandonment, self-abandonment, not other abandonment, but self-abandonment because self-abandonment leads to resentment. 
I always do what she wants. We always go to do this. She never, he never wants to do this. I'm never important. So over in the beginning, it's like, oh, I'm being nice. But eventually I am pissed and irritated. Another word for that is resentful. Yep. And resentful, (laughs) resentment is the biggest killer of love. Kills love. But resentment cannot exist without self-abandonment, which means resentment cannot exist without inauthenticity. Do you find that this like self-abandonment, do you find it happens more in men or women or kind of equally? I see it in all of, my programs are all co-ed and mixture of of the energies and it's across the board. It shows up differently, but but it's absolutely consistent. When we don't fully trust self, when we don't think it's okay to be self, whatever self is, whatever my sexual desires are, whatever my passions are, whatever, like whatever my needs are, if we don't feel like it's okay to be self, then we won't bring self to relationship. And then another side effect of that, which is huge, is we don't trust love. If we're not bringing ourselves to it and they say, I love you. Well, they're like, well, if you really knew me, you might not love me, but I'm not going to show you who I really am because then you might not love me. So not only are we separating because of resentment, we also never fully get in because we're not fully being ourselves and therefore we don't trust it. And we never drop into love in the way that it's available. That makes me so sad. Like I, the amount of people I've met in my life who say things like that, at like a young age in college in their early twenties, 19, 18. And it's like, they're already primed for this self-abandonment because of how they were raised or wherever they grew up. It's just, it's depressing. Like, God, I, I've figured that out about myself and I thank God that I did it before the age of 26. Like, I feel like people can go their whole lives. Do you, do you have people that you work with who are like, do you have an age range? Of people you work with, or is it kind of just? Yeah. The youngest person I had at one of my sexuality retreats was a 21 year old man. And I worked with men into their eighties. Wow. So I have had, I've watched the (sighs) entire spectrum and I work with a lot of people that are reclaiming this in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And. Oh my God. Yeah. Like they've lived in that self-abandonment for decades. So when I get to work with somebody that's younger and we can set the stage that you don't have to go through all the years of pain, like, let me serve. Let me serve. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's the whole spectrum. Do you ever find, so I've noticed when I'm like learning more about these energies, again, I don't know everything about them, but I'm trying to have people on who talk about them sometimes and we can kind of learn more and more about it. I've noticed it seems like a majority of women are, have more of a feminine essence. A majority of men have a more masculine essence. Would you agree with that? Or do you find that there's like a certain percentage of men that are essentially feminine and women vice versa? Like, is that a reality my experience, <laughs> my experience has been, and okay. and I will say that I my deepest experience is in the heterosexual space. Yes, and mm-hmm. but I'll give you a couple of examples outside of that space. 
is so in that space, vast majority of men identify as predominantly masculine, secondarily feminine, and the same with women. If we go on those ends of the spectrum, and mm. then I have a, a gay couple that I work with on a regular basis, and they can tell in certain areas of their lives, one is more yin or feminine, one is more yang or feminine, but that can ebb and flow for them more over different spaces and times, but still for them identifying which one is playing out helps them have a language to understand each other and dance with each other and move in that energy. And then I have definitely worked with people that are, are more in that neutral place. So there are somewhere it's truly like, yes, both. And I don't, I'm not bothered by, um, being this and I'm not bothered by being this and I'm attracted being this and I'm attracted being this. And so that with the gender spectrums, there can be a fluidity through these that do express in different ways and in the heterosexual space where the attraction is man, woman, the, the most common is by far that male aligns with masculine and feminine aligns with, but there's a lot of expressions in between. I think that's really important to note because again, not all of my listeners are in the LGBTQ community. A lot of them are heterosexual and straight and men and women, but I think it's important what you said that you can still be within this like gender spectrum and like identify with both energies and not be gay or in that, in the LGBTQ community, it's okay. And I think that's really hard for people to wrap their minds around. They think that to be quote unquote fluid in any, in any sense of the word means that you have to be a part of this community. You don't have to label yourself. And I know that I struggled with that in the beginning of figuring myself out because I was like, oh, I have to be this way now, you know, or I have to look this way. I have to act this way for these people. And it's just not the truth. And I'm so happy you said that. It's so important. Oh, Authenticity, authenticity, realness, beyond the conditioning that we've talked about, beyond yeah. the the, the, how I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to do if I'm in this community, or this is what I'm supposed to do if I'm here. Like that is the most painful thing that we can go through as a human being is to have denial of self. We want mm -hmm. to be seen for who we are. And so often we don't let ourselves be seen and it's incredibly painful. So authenticity, 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 like stepping into the feminine or stepping into the masculine. And when you discover that they're out of sync and right here in this authenticity piece, it's really removing everything that says I can't be who I am. So little of this is learning to do something or be something. It's removing everything that says I can't be who I really am. Does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. And I feel like that just ends up swimming into every other part of your life. Like it literally impacts everything. Everything. I say boardroom to bedroom and yeah. everywhere. In <laughs> boardroom to bedroom. I love that. <laughs> and everywhere in between. Wow. Do you find that like, so you just said boardroom to bedroom. Love that. 
But do you find that some people, you kind of said it about that, the, your gay friends you were talking about. Like, I'll just give an example to keep it simple. Let's say mm-hmm. I am a woman who works in, in whatever business, let's say corporate, and I am that masculine energy at work. And it's like a good thing. Like I get shit done. I'm a leader. Um, I'm very confident and people look up to me sort of that sense. And I get, I always get shit done. But when I go home, I like to be more like feminine, at, feminine at home. And especially in the bedroom, I like to be more feminine. Do you find, or do you work with people where this is their authentic self? Like they have certain situations of their lives where they do have this energy and they don't need to be in one predominantly for everything. Or is that sort of a confusion with people? It's my experiences is much more of that conditioned confu- and con- conditioning and confusion because wow. like my business is so much better the more I stay in my feminine. And I could tell this story that as an entrepreneur and business owner that I have to be in that masculine, but the more that I am in my feminine, the more that the business does well. Wow. And how many women are discovering that the belief system says that I have to be masculine in the corporate world. That was me. And I then ended up coming across, that was that comment of my boss of like, you can be a bully. And I was like, what? Cause I didn't, I couldn't, but the way that I was doing that masculine thing, because it wasn't authentic for me, we can be strong and competent leaders and still be feminine. So it's partially that question of, okay, you're living that way in the business world. Are you happy? Are you healthy? And do you really transition when you come home? Which most people think they are. Emphasis on the really. (laughs) Yeah. Are you really? Because, oh yeah, I am. And I want him. And I, this is, but how are you? you know, again, I said heterosexual there, but how are you actually showing up? Because it's really hard to try to be this quote unquote split personality, especially when one half of it isn't your authentic self. See, okay. So that makes me think of like also how with the whole like charge on feminism and things like that, I'd say there's a lot more room for like social issues now and this sort of liberal movement. There's definitely a lot more voices in it. And I think social media has definitely helped with that and Instagram and things like that. Do you, people always say women complain about the fact that we can't be quote unquote bossy. And like when we're trying to take charge, we're called bossy or we're bitches or like, she's just like an angry feminist or all of these different terms. There's so many more that I just can't think of right now that men say, and then we come back at them and say, Oh, just because I'm a woman, like if a man did the same thing, you would say that he's confident and that he's a great leader, but I'm doing it. And you're saying that I'm bossy and that I'm yelling at you and that I'm a nasty woman. How do you, how would you explain that? Would you say that's a woman who is, wants to be more in her feminine or is this actually like an issue that people see differently? Well, loaded it's, question. It's, yeah, it's a loaded, loaded question, but I'm, I'm game. And, and it's really a setup because, you know, be soft and, and, and be a leader, but don't be bitchy. And, you know, and, mm. and we'll do it to the, to the masculine beings and we'll go, you know, be sensitive, but don't be, and I'm actually not going to use those words because that we use so many feminine words to, to judge people, but, you know, be sensitive, but don't be, don't be weak. Don't be, you know, don't be, I'll, I'll pull that word out. And 
So it, it happens in both places. And so in that particular case, what I have experienced is that that energy, if it's a, coming from a predominantly masculine being, this driven, assertive, demand energy, if it comes from a predominantly masculine being authentically, then it's going to be congruent. Mm. If it comes from a predominantly feminine being, it's going to be incongruent. And whether we can put words to that or not, we're going to feel it. Mm. I can stand powerful and still be in the feminine and still set a boundary, still state what needs to be done, but I'm stating it from an energy that is congruent with who I actually am. And I'm going to have a very different impact that way. There was a, a, a woman that I worked with who was an engineer and owner of an engineering company, co-owner. And the belief system that she had to be masculine. And when she began to shift that in her leadership, the entire dynamic in the organization changed. And I could tell you different stories of other women where entire departments have changed when they shifted energy. I feel like when, okay, when we talk about these energies and the topic we were just talking about, you can be more predominantly in the masculine or feminine and, but at the same time, you could be one or the other, but you could still have a lack of boundaries or you could still have like a lack of confidence, you know? <laughs> yes. It's, it's all these other characteristics that like, okay, you're trying to be more masculine, but if you were just in your feminine and then worked on these other characteristics of like your leadership skills, you can still be in that feminine, but you're just lacking in these other areas. And that's why no one's responding to you and you feel like not powerful. Would you say that's true? I totally would say what's true. And here's what's totally interesting okay. is that if we look at yin and yang and mm -hmm. the, the yin yang symbol, that in the center of the yang side is a fully enclosed circle of yin. In the center of the yin side is a fully enclosed circle of yang. They are within each other. But if we look at those two circles as a regulator valve, like they could open and close, if that feminine being is predominantly yang, it's like opening up that yang so big that it obscures the yin. So that's where it becomes bitchy and overbearing and, and um, not fun to be around. But what's and then what's interesting though, and this was true of me and I see this over and over again in the people that I work with, is that those, I'll use women right now, those women that are overamped in that yang, like they open that valve way up, simultaneously have no boundaries. They will say yes to anything. So that simultaneously, because it is the yang energy that we need in order to set boundaries and say no. And I can't take that project on instead of, oh, of course I'll take that project on. And oh yeah, you've got that one and I'll take that one too. And I'll take care of the kids and I can hit. And not having access to our boundaries that says, this is the end of my day. This is okay. I can do this. I can't. So while it's wide open and over amped young, it is typically simultaneously 
tightly closed and under amped yawn. That is so fascinating. I had never thought of it in that way. It's so true. It's so true. Oh my God. Wow. Everyone listening, like, <laughs> you can, you don't have to be like, I just I feel like I just have to say this simply. You, if you're a woman, you don't have to be masculine to get people to listen to you. And if you're a man, you don't have to be feminine to make your partner happy if you're in a heterosexual relationship. Yes. It's just as simple as that. Like, and there's all these sprinklings of characteristics that could be failing you that you haven't worked on. It doesn't have to be these energies. Like it just means that you're not grasping them in the right way and you need to do some self-reflection across the board, <laughs> you know? The wholeness <laughs> of being. The wholeness of being. Because wow. we can't be fully feminine without having our yang energy there. And we can't be fully yeah. young without having our yin energy there. Like they go hand in hand. They're usually just not equal in the majority of people. Sometimes they are, but they're not typically equal. And finding out the true expression of those energies and all these other qualities, whether it's insecurity or confidence or self-judgment or, you know, that aren't yin or yang related, but we need both energies. We need a relationship mm -hmm. with both. And then all, as you said, the sprinkling of other qualities that bring us back to authenticity, which is where we are the most powerful, the most impactful, the most attractive, the most confident by truly being ourselves. I was going to ask you this question, but then I kind of like thought that I was, I thought of the exact opposite. Like maybe I'm wrong for asking this. I'm just, it's just not accurate. I think it's so fascinating though. Do you find specifically for people that you work with or just know of that the imbalance or the, the lack of harmony for lack of a better word mm -hmm. of these energies is most notable. Like people find out that they're like the least balanced in it in the bedroom or do you find that it's different for everybody? Like some people like are in their energies in the bedroom and that's where their strength is. And then when it comes to like other parts of their life, they're lacking or do they it notice it in the bedroom? Works. Is that a thing? Yeah, no, it rarely works in the bedroom if it's not working anywhere yeah. else. And so I yeah. would say that it, the places that I think people notice it the most is the bedroom and then attraction and chemistry. So in that, in am I drawn to my, whether we're in relationship or looking for one, who am I drawn to and who, um, and who am I drawing in? Like, who am I attracted to? I can tell you a lot. Who's attracted to me? And those things get off. It's why, you know, mm. for me, it was the question, why do I keep attracting all the, the, the passive men? Well, yeah. that's the opposite of how you're showing up. So I see it first in attraction. It pretty, it just depends on where somebody's focus is, but the bedroom and attraction yeah. are really the places where we can see it most personally. It's like a, it's like a good identifier of yeah. sort of where you're at or what you want, because like attraction doesn't really lie. Right. Unless, I know, then we go into a whole other thing where you can well, be attracted yeah. to like, you, where you want a masculine person, but then you're attracted to toxic masculinity yes. and where the person's like a narcissist. But it, I feel like that could go in so many different directions. That's just like your childhood and everything like that. <laughs> it was really interesting. We actually did this in one of our advanced programs of looking at like who ends up dating who and what's it end up looking like. It's 
it, mm. the, the, the bad boys and the nice guys and the, and the, the bitches and the, and what we might call the doormats and how, how do those energies dance with each other? And what happens when somebody that's the bad boy and the bitchy one get together? And I had somebody say to me recently, oh yeah, when the bad boy and the bitch get together, nobody has to feel anything. <laughs> it was like, we don't wow. have to, you know, we're having sex, but we don't have to get intimate. We don't have to feel, we're just doing. And I was like, oh, that's a perfect description. And that probably all stems from childhood, I'm assuming. Well, and, and I'm not a therapist. Yeah. It's our conditioning of where we, what belief systems we hold and do a lot of the people that I work with as we're coaching around masculine and feminine and sexuality, do a lot of people simultaneously do the therapeutic work if there are childhood things? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And we can look in this moment of what's my belief system? What's my judgment? And then begin to shift those. Okay. That makes sense. Gosh, there's so many past. I feel like I could talk to you for like five hours. <laughs> I can talk about these topics for a week and not stop probably. <laughs> so I, I guess to kind of finish this out, I do want to ask you one last question. Um, to kind of tie it together, because I know a lot of my listeners are probably curious about that, especially in this day and age with all of these social issues going on. Do you have any like specific, simple advice for a woman who is struggling with being that strong, independent woman and that guy who is struggling with being that being in that nice guy syndrome? Yeah. Just like a simple tidbit to share with them. I know that you talked about it earlier, but kind of to yeah. finish this off. To finish this off is is find out the truth about yourself. Mm. Figure out what's really true and then clear out everything that's in the way of you finally getting to live authentically as you. And nothing could be more impactful than you finally living the truth of who you are and not self-abandoning. Love that. Love that. Perfect. Simple. And everyone listening, it's as simple as that, literally. It might not feel that way at first when you have to face it, <laughs> but after that, it's sort of smooth sailing. Once you start figuring all of these things out about yourself, it's very exciting. I found it like exhilarating in a way. <laughs> oh, it's free. For sure. It's free. Yes. And it's Ugh. one baby step. Everybody that works with me knows I say one baby step at a time and you take those consistently, you will go so far so fast. So perfect. Well, Joanna, thank you again for coming on today. I am so grateful that I finally got to record with you. Oh my gosh. I want to have you on here again. <laughs> I would love that. It's been great. <laughs> So fun. But if my listeners do sort of want to look into your services or want to check you out online, where can they find you? And I'm going to have all this in the show notes. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So ex mo ecstaticintimacy.com is going to be the website. Okay. So all kinds of articles and information and the quizzes for masculine and feminine and uh, soulful lover quiz, like they can find tons of stuff on ecstaticintimacy.com. And then on most of the um, social channels, you're either going to find Ecstatic Intimacy or Joanna Shakti. Thank you again, Joanna. Um, that's it for this episode, guys. Go click the subscribe button. Go scroll down on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Go check out Joanna's website. And remember that no matter what your sexuality, sex, or gender is, there is space for you in the conversation. 
and we will continue to give you that platform. Yeah.